0: Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC, Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary's latest book is The Customer Conundrum: 9 Crucial Steps for Winning Customers and Outsmarting Your Competition. He's also the author of The Shepherd and the Princess: 7 Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life and Achieving Unusual Greatness. Timeless lessons from the trail already blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at questions at optex.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, optex.com. And now here's Gary Smith.
1: Good morning, happy Saturday everyone. Welcome to the Gary Smith show. My name is Gary Smith. I get to be your tour guide for the show today. And we're just glad that everybody has tuned in. Hope you really enjoy the show. We've got an exciting show for you today. Uh, it's a real special show for me because we actually get a live in studio today. Uh, as uh, those of you who are normal listeners to the program know, uh, most of our shows, uh, at least a portion of them, are pre recorded. And uh, and I enjoy doing that, but I always think it's a special treat when I get a chance to have someone uh, live in studio, uh, where we can actually make eye contact and watch body language, and just have a really really neat conversation. And I'll tell you what, if you uh, if you are looking, uh, you know, whether you're a business person or just an individual, if you are looking for for growth in your life and really learning how to uh, to plug in and understand what it really means to be a Christian and to really be a follower of Christ. Don't touch that dial today. You're going to enjoy this show. Uh, our guest this morning is Casey Alexis. Uh, she's the author of a new book called The Moral Code, and I'm just excited to uh, to have her with me today. She's uh, not only because she's a friend, but because she's local. She's up in Worcester, Massachusetts, so it was just a short drive for her to uh, to get down here today. And it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, before Casey and I uh, got on the air here this morning, we were talking about... Just how God is amazing and how he puts people in our lives and it's really interesting how I met Casey because I had been contacted uh, by a woman named Jackie Smith, uh, not to be confused with my daughter, uh, but uh, Jackie is a, uh, uh, is a successful insurance agent uh, out in the uh, Minneapolis area. And she had reached out to me because she's a Christian, and she had started a Christian podcast, and she invited me to, uh, to be on her podcast. And I've been on her podcast twice, and I just uh, a few weeks ago recorded a segment uh, for my show uh, with Jackie talking about uh, Christian selling and how you can be uh, both a Christian and a successful salesperson. And right after that, I got an email from Jackie saying, hey, there's somebody I need you to meet. Uh, and she introduced me to Casey. And Casey and I spent some time on the phone, and I've invited Casey to be with us. And then Casey introduced me to her brother, Joel Lewis, uh, who is also a very dynamic Christian and is uh, starting up a business, uh, really dealing with entrepreneurship and, and, you know, and helping uh, people uh, start up businesses, but do it from a Christian perspective and get their lives in balance. And uh, in the beginning of April, uh, Joe, Joel is going to uh, be here with me live, too. So it's just amazing how how God works. But anyway, uh, let's welcome Casey. Casey, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion.
2: Thank you, Gary, for having me. I truly appreciate this time to be on your show. Uh, good morning, everyone.
1: Oh, uh, we're gonna have a great time today. And uh, maybe the, a good place to start off, Casey, mm-hmm. is uh, you know, is to just. Tell us a little bit about you as far as where, you know, where you come from and, uh, you know, and kind of your walk with the Lord, uh, you know, and kind of what led you up to the point, you know, of, of, of being concerned about this whole issue of the moral code.
2: Absolutely. I can definitely do that. Well, I am one of seven. I was born in Brooklyn New York to two wonderful parents and they were both born in Haiti and they immigrated here to the United States I believe back in the 70s and so I'm like I said I'm one of seven so I have four brothers and two other sisters so I grew up in a very large family we were not rich but we weren't poor either <laughs> so um, we we uh, grew up in a very loving household and a very creative household because we grew up in Brooklyn, New York. We didn't go out much and play much outside because of the area that we grew up in. Um, but because of that, we were able to be very creative in the home. Um, we came up with so much fun things to do, games to play. And that's why I had the love of reading and um, and with my siblings and just enjoying the time that we had with one another. So from there, um, we moved to Long Island, New York. And I got saved when I was about 19 years old. My aunt invited me to church and I heard a message. And that message changed my life. And um, I believe after that, I truly understood who the devil was because after that year I got saved Chaos just happened in my life. So, um... I truly believe that's where my relationship with the Lord really grew. And that's where I got my understanding of who God is from that time frame. Because, um, you know, when you first get saved, you uh, gaining understanding for the Lord, you love the Lord, you appreciate him, you're constantly in his word. But when you're going through trials and tribulations as well, you learn who God is and through those trials and tribulations. And in that year... I really, truly learned who the Lord was. And that's where I, I, I pretty much skyrocketed my growth in him. And from there, continued to attend college, graduated, met my wonderful husband <laughs> when I was about 21. And we got married when I was 25. Um, and we had kids about five years later. So I have two daughters, Cameron and Brielle. And, um, that's what I'm doing now, raising my kids. And that pretty much led to the moral code. Um, I decided once I had my second daughter that listening to the voice of the Lord, he was calling me to stay home and I finally listened to him and through being obedient and listening to the voice of the Lord, guiding me to stay home and just raise my children from there, the Lord gave me the book titled The Moral Code. I didn't have any desire to write a book, Gary. It wasn't something that I said I'm going to accomplish this year. It wasn't a goal of mine. Um, it was just a, 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 a leading by the Holy Spirit. And he guided me to write this book titled The Moral Code one morning as I was um, rocking my daughter to bed. And it was in my heart. I watched the show a couple of weeks back, and the show troubled me a little bit. It was a show about uh, Christian pastors, and what they were displaying on the show was not the God that I knew. It was not the God that I met when I was 18 years old on that night. It was not the God that I... seen throughout my life it was not the God that I've seen in other Christians and so when I was watching that show it troubled me it troubled my spirit and it stayed with me for some time and that night when I was uh, rocking my daughter back to sleep I was just thinking about it and talking to God about it and then he put that book in my heart and then that's where the moral code came from
1: Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating, Uh, and and I agree with you. I think uh, and there's there's some real precious things I think we can glean from what you just Mm -hmm. said. The first is that uh, I think that there are a lot of people out there who think that uh, when I accept Christ, uh, life is going to be just a barrel of monkeys. Everything is going to be fine, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And yet, that in many cases is not the truth. You know that uh, you know when especially when we're doing things for the Lord. Uh, you know, Satan takes notice. Uh, I remember, uh, I can't remember, I think it was, uh, oh, I can't remember the fellow's name, but he, he was, uh, he, it was uh, his first name is Chuck, I can't think of his last name, but he was attending Dallas Theological Seminary. And when he was there, he was about ready to graduate. And there was another student there who was a couple of years younger than he was. And uh, Howard Hendricks at the time was one of the big professors at Dallas. And I love Howard Hendricks. But anyway, this student was having a conversation with Dr. Hendricks. And he said, Dr. Hendricks, I'm so excited. And Dr. Hendricks said, well, what are you excited about? And he said, you know, when I first came here, you know, I was just having all sorts of trials and problems in my life. And he said, now that I'm here, he said, you know, everything is just wonderful. You know, I, you know I'm not having any challenges. You know, everything seems to be going really slowly. And Hendricks looked at him and said, I feel sorry for you. And he said, well, why would you feel sorry for me? This is such an exciting time. And he said, if you're not experiencing trials in your life as a Christian, he said, you know what that tells me? You're inconsequential to Satan. He doesn't need to bother with you because you're not doing what you need to do. You need to get out there and do what you need to do. And to your point, you know, you, you know, you were saying that when you're in that mode and you're experiencing those trials, you can you can look at it from two perspectives. One is, you know, you can be beat up and down, or the other one is, is that you can look at it and realize and, and look at it from the perspective, okay, God, what are you trying to teach mm-hmm. me? What am I supposed to learn uh, from from this experience? Uh, And when you lay that kind of foundation, it just is so much, so much better in the long run, you know. But sometimes I think what happens is we don't appreciate it as we're going through it.
2: (laughs) No, we don't appreciate it as we're going through it. But what I found is that you learn so much about God through those trials and tribulations. When you look at them in the right perspective, that those trials and tribulations are eventually while you're going through them, you may not be seeing them like that, but they are there to teach you something. And, you know, I always look at the children of Israel and when they went through the trials and and tribulations that they went through, They, after the trial and tribulation, they understood a different characteristic of God. They understood that he, Jehovah Jireh, you know, Jehovah, they understood that he was their provider. He was their banner. Um, He was everything that they were, he was taking them through. They were able to see a different side of God. And I think that for us, when we go through trials and tribulations, we see a different side of God when we come out of it. We get to know who he is more and more each day. We get to go into his word. We spend time with him more. We read his word more. You know, when we're going through things, when things are just happy go lucky, sometimes we forget about God. We forget to pray. We forget to read our word. But I guarantee you, when things are going wrong, you know exactly what to turn, and you know exactly what book to open.
1: So. <laughs> yeah absolutely true um, you know the other comment that I'll make and it's unrelated to our discussion but I'm excited that you're that you're a stay-at-home mom yeah uh, your children will be blessed so much through that uh, you know we were fortunate too and that my wife was able to stay home uh, and raise our three girls and I, I tell you now uh, I am so thankful for that because our children would not have turned out to be the children that they are without that constant influence. Uh, and I realize that there are many people out there who, for a whole host of reasons, can't do that. Right. Uh, you know, but I think when, uh, you know, when, when that happens, when you have that opportunity, that is such a blessing that you can pass on to your children that will live on for generations after, after we're gone.
2: Absolutely. And that's one of the things that the Lord showed me through this process of writing the book and how immediately after I submitted to his will and stopped being so rebellious. And uh, because that's all I knew is working outside the home. I was a career person. I was career driven at the time as well. So staying home with my two little ones, it was an adjustment, but it was well worth it because God showed me through so much through the process. And then to give me the book and something to, you know, to do for him because now I actually was listening and actually had the time to sit down and actually listen to the voice of God and look what he did in such a short time. I stopped working in August 8th was my last day at work and I was a human resources professional. And August 29th, the book that was deposited in my heart.
1: Wow. Oh, that's amazing. It is <laughs> it's really amazing. Well, let's uh let's talk a little bit more, you know, what uh you know, tell our listeners what what is the moral code.
2: Okay, great. That's a great question actually because I know um some people might google the moral code and see many different types of answers to it. Um but the Lord actually gave me that title when I when he gave me the book and I didn't Google it at the time. I just went with whatever the Lord told me. That's what it is. This is what the title should be. And the definition of the moral code is pretty much what, who we are as believers in Christ prior to, to the fall so this prior to the fall adam and eve was everything god wanted them to be they were created in god's image and his likeness they were everything that was good after the fall of course that got uh Uh, That got uh, messed up pretty much (laughs) in simpler terms. That got totally messed up. That was totally destroyed. Evil became a part of our characteristics now. So the moral code is pretty much what we gain back through Christ. It's who we are as Christians. It is a life that we live every day. It is how we interact with people. It is how we talk to people. It's how we live with people who may not believe everything that we believe it is who we are and who we should be and what we should be representing to the world that's pretty much the moral code in a whole um a more specific definition of that would be in in scriptural tense if you go back to the old testament and the lord was gave moses a set of laws and in those laws it pretty much was dictating exactly how he wanted the children of israel to live where did those laws come from You know, it's pretty much part of the characteristic of God because he wanted to set the children of Israel apart from all the other other territories around them. He wanted them to set them apart from Egypt and he called them out from Egypt and he wanted them to be his people. He wanted them to be his children. And so therefore he wanted them to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. And that was given to the children of Israel, but it was written in stone. The moral code now is written in our hearts through Christ
1: yeah, and that's interesting because as i as I look at the cover uh, of your book, uh, it looks like a strand of DNA. yes. and and so, you know, are you are you implying through that that you know that the moral code is something that really, through Christ and our relationship with him, needs to become part of our spiritual DNA?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And when you look at the title of the book, it's in red. Because that's the bl- that represents the blood of Jesus, and only the blood of Jesus can do that. Only the blood of Jesus can regenerate us to look more like Him, to be like Him, to be what He was when He was walking upon the earth. Absolutely.
1: So, how do you? Uh, one of the things that I have struggled with in talking um, talking with people, some who are Christians and some who are who have looked at the Christian faith, is they see uh, Christianity as being a very very um, restrictive religion uh where when you when you become a christian all of a sudden you have this you know this list of don'ts you can't do this you can't do this you can't do the other thing um how, how, does the, how does the moral code fit into, uh, fit into that fabric from your perspective?
2: Right. So the moral code, even though you can take it and say, well, Casey is full, you know, Christianity is full of laws and regulations and rules. The moral code is not a law. Though more when God gave it to Moses, it was considered the law and people had to follow it. They couldn't. No one could follow the law. Um, and But the moral code through Christ becomes part of us. It is us. So it's naturally something that we do each and every day. It's supposed to come natural to us. That's why it's kind of a strand of DNA, because it is who you are. Um, you can't separate yourself from it because it's a part of you. Christ told Nicodemus that we must be born again. And through that born again process, that regenerating process where we come to know the Lord and uh, we come to know who he is and what he likes and what he doesn't like is not a bunch of rules anymore. It's what you do It's who you are. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's, and that's powerful. Um, I was actually, I was saved at a church in uh, just outside of, uh, of Provo, Utah when Mm -hmm. I was in college and the, uh, the interesting thing I experienced there was the pastor of the church um, had, a, had a real heart uh, for youth and youth ministry. But one of the things that he commented on that has stuck with me over the years is he said, you know, he said, when I became a Christian, he said, I can do anything that I want to do, but Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has given me a different set of want to's.
2: Absolutely.
1: And that, I think, gets right to the heart of the moral code, that that Jesus, when we accept him and we start following him and we start developing that relationship, he uses that relationship to rewire us and to give us a different set of desires and to create a different character, his character, within us.
2: Absolutely. And that's the basic premise of the book, uh, Gary, is that in the beginning of the chapter, as you know, it starts off right off the bat, we're no good. We're, our natural <laughs> existence, our body, all it wants to do is the complete opposite of God. The moment you're born, you are born to do to rebel against God. And you see that even with your own children as I know for myself when I I have two little ones as I'm raising them I see this every day. When they do things I'm always redirecting them to do the right thing. You don't have to teach a child to lie. No one teaches a child to lie. No one teaches a child to steal. No one teaches anyone to do the wrong things. Those are things that are have become a part of you. They're naturally a part of you when you're born. You know, David said we're Born in sin and shaping in iniquity and in the word. And so you see that every day as it plays out. So although it may, Sometimes you feel like, oh, this is the right thing to do. When you hold it against the word of God, you see that it's actually not the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. And so the moral code through Scripture, pretty much bringing everyone back to the heart of Scripture to see, you know, we're no good. We are opposite of what is good. And it's only through Christ, only through that born-again process do we become Good, do we can we act out good things? Can we do the right thing? It's only through Christ can we even do good things anything else is not good anything else has not you know has motives behind it you know we don't ever do anything purely out of the goodness of our heart because the bible says the heart is evil and it thinks of evil continuously so when i think about the moral code and what god is doing through the moral code it's pretty much getting all christians back to the basics Back to what happened during the fall, what did we lose, and how do we get it back through Christ?
1: All right, super. We're talking with Casey Alexis and her book, Uh, The Moral Code. We're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: Hey, this is Daniel Fazzina, host of the Divine Intervention Show, inviting you to join me every Sunday at 4 p.m. on WSDK. Divine Intervention is the interview show that features intriguing people who've experienced the hand of God in amazing ways. Moses parted the sea, Jesus drove demons out of people, and even raised the dead. Are these types of events still happening today? Tune in to Divine Intervention to find out as we feature people who have experienced miracles, answered prayers, deliverances, healings, and more. More information about the show free down. Downloads and podcasts are available at our website, divineinterventionradio.com. Divine Intervention Sundays at 4 p.m. on WSDK. I
3: believe in miracles. I've owned this company for a long time. I love what I do, but things keep getting more and more challenging. Taxes, the economy, global competition—they're coming together in a way that may put me out of business if I don't find a better, more cost-effective way of doing things.
1: You want a better future for you and your loved ones. You feel that you have what it takes, but you just don't know where to start. I can help. My name is Gary Smith. I come alongside you to help you design a plan for your amazing future. Then I mentor you through the implementation process until you're well on your way to achieving your goals. Don't wait another second. Call me now at 203-599-1467. Or email me at gary at for a free, no-obligation consultation.
3: should climb to the low 30s this afternoon across the Connecticut Valley as a warming trend is now in place, only falling to the low 20s tonight due to some cloudiness. There might be a flurry around, partly sunny. Upper 30s tomorrow. Monday's outlook, mostly sunny. Close to seasonable, near 40. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. WSDK, 1550 a.m.
1: Okay, welcome back to The Gary Smith Show, where we're talking with Casey Alexis about her new book, The Moral Code. Uh, and, uh, you know, prior to the break, we have been kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the whole concept of the fact that, that as, as people, as human beings, because of the fall in, of Adam and Eve, you know, that we are born in sin and that we are not inherently good people. And, and that the moral code is all about how we, how we build a relationship with Christ and how we let him rewire our spiritual DNA so that we—and uh, it, and it's not something, it's not a one-and-done uh, type of thing. It's a continuous, ongoing process for the rest of our lives as we strive uh, to be more and more like him. But uh, one of the things I want to talk a, a little bit about with you, Casey, in, in looking at this whole thing is that you know I think that there is a there is a tendency uh, for people, and I've and I've not so much heard it in the church, although I think there are a lot of people who think it, but I've heard about people outside the church who have been caught in you know various sins, you know whether it's you know prostitution, drug abuse, you know whatever the case may be, and and their attitude is. You know, I'm no good. I know I'm no good. I know I'm a sinner, but I am so bad that there's nothing that you know that God, you know God won't want to have anything to do with me. So I'm not even going to think about darkening the doors of a church and things like that. so when we when we look at the fact and we really come face to face with the fact that we are sinners mm-hmm. and that we are no good, and, and that you know, but for the grace of God, Absolutely. we would be going to hell, how do we make that transition from, you know from I'm no good? I'm worthwhile in God's eyes.
2: I think that I believe, I should say, that you can definitely make that transition once you understand and come to the point where I am no good. And the only way that I can be anything opposite of being no good is only through Christ. And I think once we come from a place of brokenness and and a contrite heart, like the Bible says, that the Lord actually loves that. Because we're coming to him and we're saying, Lord, we are no good. And I am no good. And the reason why, and I need you. I need you. And I think once we come to a place when we can tell God, I am no good and I need you. That's when he can do that work in us. That's when he can shape us and mold us into his likeness. That's where he can take those things that were no good out of us and make us into a new creature. Like like Paul said in the word, you know, being new creatures in Christ Jesus, where old things are passed away and behold you are new. So I think that once we come to a place of understanding that we are no good, we, we will always go back to the word. We will always go back to what makes us anything makes us good in some ways, makes us holy, we will always make sure to check with the Lord and see what he desires to make sure that we're in prayer, to make sure that we're reading the word, to make sure that we're always in constant communication with the one that makes us good, so that it will always keep us in line, that we're not caught up in things like prostitution and things and old sins that we had in the past, that we keep on 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 the road of to goodness, we keep on that walk to and keep Christ as our focus, so that we can be the people that He called us to be from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, that I think is that I think is really powerful. Um, and as you were saying that, I was thinking of a, a, a story that Billy Graham told in one of the books that he wrote, and he he was likening um, he was likening becoming a Christian to you know to buying a house and inviting Christ. To come into your house and that house is your heart uh, and he was talking about the various aspects of getting to know the Lord and one of them was that um, you know a fellow got up in the morning and he was going to work and as he was you know going downstairs after he had showered and dressed and everything and he was walking past the family room he noticed that the fireplace was on there was a nice fire burning in the fireplace and he peeked in and Jesus was sitting on the couch and he said Lord how how long have you been here? And he said, Oh, I'm here every morning. You know, I'm just waiting for you to come and be with me. Absolutely. You know, and and God's attitude is, is I love you intensely. I'm not going to break your arm. You have to want it. You have to be willing to come to me, you know, but I really want that intimate fellowship. You know, I created you and I see you as a worthwhile person. Yes, you're a sinner, you know, and I hate the sin, right. but I love you as, as my child. And, and I think, I think that's one thing that people struggle with. The other thing that I, that I think people struggle with, and I know I certainly do, mm-hmm. because um, there are many of us that, you know, we want to be in control of our own lives. And, and yet the pathway to success in our relationship to the Lord is exactly the opposite. God wants us to be completely dependent upon him.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. he, wants to take complete control and I think once you as a believer understand that you know what I am no good I want him to take complete control because you don't want to be making decisions you know big decisions life decisions based upon your heart where the bible says that it thinks of evil continuously because you know that okay nothing good comes out of me and what uh, you know nothing good comes out of my heart so who am I going to check with who is going to to be my check and balance system. We want the Lord to be that check and balance system for us. We want to always go before him and ask him, what's the best route to take? What's the best thing to do? Who should be the best people we should have around us as we go on this life's journey? Because we know that nothing good can come from us. And I think once we understand that as believers, we can be much more effective because we're going to the King of Kings All the time to make sure that every decision that we make, whether be it large or small, you know, we're going to him about it. It's going to always come out good. It's always going to be a blessing to those around us because God, everything from above is good. So that's important. I think if we really take hold to that, we will be so much more effective. And just like David, that's why God called him a man after God's own heart is because he meditated on the Lord's word day and night. And there's a chapter in the book that focuses on um, several people of the, in the Bible, David, Moses, Abraham. The Lord actually had me focus on these individuals and their particular walk for a reason. But David, he was a man after God's own heart because he he loved God so much and he meditated on his word and he was always sure not all the time and when he didn't do it he failed you know but he was always sure sure to go before the father and ask him is this the right thing to do should I go to war with this particular territory and he made sure to always do that because he always wanted to be in the will of the father and I think if we do that if we model that behavior we would be so much more effective as Christians in today's world
1: yeah, I think that's very, very true, and the examples that you give are are really, really powerful. And that's one of the things I love about the Bible, is that uh, God did not through the Bible parade people in front of us and say, "Look at how perfect they are. Look right. at how wonderful they are." I mean, Moses was a murderer, David was a murderer and an adulterer. Right. Uh, you know, and yet it says when I when I study those people, I say, "There's hope for me." because God God said you know God can take somebody like David you know who you know who uh, slept with a man's wife and mm-hmm. then put him out in battle and stuck him out in the front of the line to be killed and God can then turn around and say, but that man's a man after my own heart mm-hmm. because he was looking at the heart, not the actions, not the actions and know? he was
2: quick to repent right and he was quick to repent once the prophet Nathan came before him about his sin, that was one of the things that David did, soon after he heard about his, you know, it came face to face with his transgression is that he had to repent. He quickly said, Father, forgive me for I have sinned, you know, not in those particular words, but that's what pretty much um, he did. And that's something that we should model always being quick to repent, you know, when we're wrong and when we're doing the opposite of what God would have us to do.
1: Yeah, I think those those are some powerful lessons. What are some of the other lessons that you're you know that you're hoping that people will learn as they read your book?
2: I'm hoping that people will learn, you know, whether you're a believer, whether you're a non-believer, uh, you, who has questions, is that we come to a place where we know that we absolutely need God. I think that every Christian needs to go back to that because I know sometimes you can be on your walk for 15 years knowing the Lord, 20 years, 30 years, and sometimes along the way you forget how important God is, how important he is in every aspect of your life, your personal life, your business, um, when you're in the marketplace, when you're at church with other believers, when you're not at church with other believers, where you're just in the supermarket, how important he is and how he needs to be with us at all times, wherever we go and whatever decisions that we are making uh, because he is the king of kings because he is the alpha and omega because he knows all things that it's important that we know we absolutely need him and I think that the moral code, it takes you through that, that absolute need for God. And I believe that's why he had me focus on those individuals that he had me focus on is because those people had a relationship with him. Abraham, Moses, David, they had a relationship with the father. They talked with him. They fellowship with him. Um, Noah, fellowship with God, that's what set him apart from everyone else, you know, is that the fact that he had a fellowship with God, the fact that he interacted with God in all aspects of life. And I think that's for us as well, to be reminded of how we need God in every aspect of our lives. And especially nowadays, where, um, you know, the morals of this world is completely uh, depleted pretty much. We're at a place where you watch television nowadays and, you know, half the time you either turn the channel or you have to turn off the television because the, the it's just moral degradation all over the television. I mean, you see it when you, you are walking in public places. You see it in the youth of today. You see it everywhere. Um, and so this book pretty much is saying, hey, you know, we're in the last days. We need to remember our God. We need to remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need to remember who Christ is. We need to remember what he has called us to do and how he has called us to live because there are people out there that need to hear this message. There are people out there that need the salvation of the Lord. And the only way they're going to hear it is through believers. The only way they're going to see it is through our lives. And so um, that's pretty much the message and what I hope every believer will walk away with and not, believer who has questions about why is there evil in this world why do we have a God who you know they he sees these things going on and he does nothing about it you know that's you hear these questions all the time from non-believers and I think the book the message of the moral code captures that
1: okay yeah and um, one of the things that I think is so powerful there is that you know I agree that you know that people People who are non-Christians need to see, you know, need to see the love of Jesus, and they need to see the example that is set, and I think it's it's almost more important what we do than, than what, what we, we say, say, because yeah. they look at us, and, and that's one of the things that I hear a lot, is that when people look at the Christian church today, it's like, you know, I don't know how many times I've had somebody say to me, if that individual is a Christian, I don't want to have anything to do with it because we're not, you know, because people on a day-to-day basis are not living the life that they should be.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, even here in America, 77%, nearly 80% of Americans claim that they're Christian, but yet we still battle with racism. We still battle with things in the heart that, you know, that we do things that, you know, we're not living out everything that. We claim that we say that we're Christian. We're not living it out, and people are watching us. Our lives speaks volumes. Our lives speaks more than our uh, what we say out of our mouths. So if we're not walking the walk, if we're not, you know, we're not walking the walk that we're talking, it's an ineffective message. And um, the moral code, you know, it flags that. It it shines that. It says, you know, as Christians, we should all be looking like Christ did when he walked upon the earth. I'm not talking about physically with the sandals and the right, no, you know, right. I'm talking you know, spiritually being a spiritual replica of Christ upon the planet. You know, even if you're here in America and there's a Christian in Russia, we should resemble each other. But the enemy has played uh, you know, a big card of division through different denominations that we're so divided, um we're segregated. Sundays are, you know, most of the probably the most segregated day out of the week because we don't really fellowship with each other so that division a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand as christ um said so that division also plays a part in it so when you read the moral code it's saying wait a minute let's get back to the heart of god let's get back to the basics let's get back to who we are and how God wants us to be upon this earth. Let's get back. Let's forget about all the stuff that we picked up along the way, all the different traditions of man, all the different things that we, you know, added different seasonings to the word, you know, instead of you added the paprika and the garlic and all these different things to try to make it taste good. Let's forget about that stuff. Let's stick with the salt. You know, let's stick with that flavor and let's stick with what God actually wants us to do. And from there, you know, be an effective body upon this world.
1: Yeah, I think that's really true that, you know, that a call to America uh, to get back to the basics yes. is really really important. You know, uh, I'm I'm reminded of uh, of a funny story. Uh, I believe it was Vince Lombardi, who was uh, he was the coach of the Green Bay Packers, uh, no, 30 40 years ago, and was one of the greatest one of the greatest football coaches. But mm-hmm. the uh, you know but the the Packers were having a real problem in a losing streak where they couldn't win a football game no matter what they did, and uh, and one of their training sessions, he got up and he said, guys. We're going to get back to basics. And he held up the football and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And one of the guys sitting in the front row said, not so fast, coach. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but that whole message of getting back to the basics of who do we need to be as people. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's the thing. I mean, And do we really understand when we say we're Christians? Do we really understand what that means? Um, you know, my wife and I raised our children on James Dobson mm-hmm. and Focus on the Family. Yes. And one of the messages that Dobson uh, you know, would put out there is whenever there was something that was going on in Congress, whether it was, you know, a state level or whether it was the, the federal level uh, that was affecting the family or potentially could affect the family in a negative way, he would put it out on the airways and say, you know, please, call your congressman, you know, send faxes, send emails, let them know what's going on, let them know what, you know, how you feel about this. And yet, when he would do that, he would come back and say, just as you said, the statistic is that 80% of the people in the United States claim to be born-again Christians. Mm-hmm. And he said, yet, whenever we have one of these issues, he said, I, I always come away with one question, where is the Christian church? Because if, if, Everybody who espouses the belief actually lived the life, we would be a much, much different nation than we are today.
2: Absolutely. 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 We would. And You know, people wouldn't be so quick to dismiss Christianity. People wouldn't be so quick to speak against it. People wouldn't be so quick to talk against it because there there will be a collective voice, one voice, saying the same message, calling out the same name, you know, saying the same gospel. And that is um, one of the biggest problems that we have as the Christian faith is we are losing the salt we're losing the taste, we're losing our savor, and people are noticing it. And, um, and this is this, this message is pretty much calling people back to the heart of God. This book is pretty much calling people say, hey, get back to your word, get back to the, the truth of the gospel. And, really begin to live this born again life the way that christ calls us to live it he said we must be born again born of the spirit and not of the flesh
1: amen amen we're talking with casey alexis about her new book the moral code we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back
3: Only one half of 1% of all high school student-athletes play basketball in college.
1: But all 100% of them become adults. That's why playing basketball in their high school team is so important. High school athletes learn life lessons that help them grow up. Lessons that can't be taught in the classroom and often aren't taught at home. This message presented by the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference and the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors. So keep smiling, because remember, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. What? That was our important meeting
3: on customer service? Where was his smile when he lost the Bradley deal?
1: There's clearly a huge gulf that's been created in the arena of customer service. This gulf exists between what business owners say is their customer service philosophy and what customers are actually experiencing in their daily personal and business transactions. What's worse is that this gulf appears to be widening with the new global economy. This is Gary Smith, host of The Gary Smith Show. This gulf in what we say and what we actually do in customer service led me to write my new book, The Customer Conundrum. In The Customer Conundrum, I identify the core issues relating to the customer service gulf and then give you solid, practical advice on how you can create, maintain, and lead a truly customer-centered organization and a customer-centered life.
0: Don't lose valuable customers or contacts. Get the customer conundrum at Optex.com.
3: Milder air starting to work in from the south now across the Connecticut Valley, allowing temps to climb to the low 30s this afternoon and only fall to the low 20s tonight due to some cloudiness. There might be a flurry around as well. Partly sunny, upper 30s tomorrow, mostly sunny, near 40 by Monday. Randy Berkson with the WSDK Weather Update. Life-Changing Radio, 1550 a.m.
1: Okay, welcome back to The Gary Smith Show, where we're visiting with Casey Alexis, author of a book called The Moral Code. And uh, Casey, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit here is, do you think in many respects that the church has become its own worst enemy? Um, because I, I think about things from the viewpoint of you know, how many different denominations that we have, and, and that those denominations are not, they're not separated by what we believe about God. They're separated by the doctrines that they, you know, that they choose to follow, and and I look at it from the standpoint that the gospel is the gospel; it's created by God. The doctrine is created by man, Amen. and we, you know, are we really, you know, is is Satan using that as a tool? Do you think to drive a wedge into the church and just to keep us splintered and in small little factions, and to keep us from coming together to really minister effectively?
2: Absolutely. Um, one of the chapters in the book is solely. De, uh, dedicated to that, and he uses that to be able to keep us divided. And if we're divided, we're ineffective. Uh, we're we're not showing people Christ because we're showing people our doctrine. We're showing people uh, what we believe and what we think is right, rather than showing people the truth of the gospel. And that gospel is Christ. And if we stick to the most important message of the gospel and what you know, what we're supposed to be actually teaching people and showing people and living, um, I think the doctrines wouldn't be even a factor. But because division and distractions and um, Satan manipulating people in their thoughts and having them think that, okay, my way is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. Um, You know, uh, Saturday is the Sabbath and anyone who doesn't worship on a Saturday is wrong. Things like that. Or, you know, I baptize, you know, in in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but your church baptizes in Jesus' name. These things are just so... You know, It it just keeps us so divided against each other when we all should be actually spiritually looking like each other. If we are born again in the spirit and not of the flesh, we should all be a replica of Christ in today's world. So everyone should look like one another. We should have the same language, not look like as far as physical resemblance, but spiritually look like one another. Have the same language, have the same talk, have the same walk in regards to what this gospel can do for you your life when the world is running around in in chaos because they don't have particular peace in regards to isis or so whatever the case may be whatever may be on the news at the moment but you as a christian we have peace you know uh, someone in california who's a christian they have that peace someone in russia who's going through persecution, they still have that peace someone in um in china they still have that peace why because of christ and so if we have that that spiritual replica of Christ in our DNA, where we're born again through the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter where we are, we should look like one another. No matter what we're going through, we should have the same responses because Christ is the common denominator. But when you have things like Uh, denominations that come into play and the doctrines of man that come into play, that's where we have the divisions. That's where we no longer start to look like one another, but we start to look like what we deem is right. And that's where you have different things, where you have different arguments in in regards to certain sins that the Bible speaks openly against, Uh, you know, but, Oh no, I don't believe it that way. Why? When the Bible says, this is not right this is not right it shouldn't ha- our opinions on what the gospel say should not have should not even be a factor when the bible speaks plainly
1: i, I agree completely and that's one of the things that i find uh, frustrating uh, and i don't want to politicize this discussion right. but i but i find that frustrating me when watching some of the uh, some of the presentations and some of the interviews that potential presidential candidates have been going through right. and and it bothers me when uh, when somebody brings up an issue like abortion or gay marriage or something like that and the person says well personally i'm against it but i think it should be left up to the states to decide what's exact what exactly is going to happen right you know, uh, you know, it's either right or, or it's wrong, wrong. and right. and there isn't any in between. And I'm still looking for that for that person who will stand up and say, "Listen, you know what? I don't care what the rest of the world says. The Bible says it's wrong, therefore it's wrong. It's wrong. You know, God's God's rules and God's laws are absolute." you know you know if uh, you know god gave the 10 commandments he didn't give the 10 suggestions
2: <laughs> exactly exactly and i i believe that you know whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're a business person whether you know you're a politician if you say that you are a christian you follow the Word of God, you're supposed to follow the, the Word of God, and you're supposed to do exactly what the Word is telling you to do so if the Word of God speaks against abortion openly and plainly or if the Word of God speaks speaks against any sin uh, you know homosexuality anything. That's what the word of God says. And that's what you should always point to. Your opinion doesn't even matter at that point, because you're saying you're a Christian. So that's that's your that's your lifeline. That's who you are. So it's not black, you're not white, you're not, you know, those things are secondary, who you are first and primarily is a Christian. And that should be who you should be pointing to at all times.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think, too, that we have to, to realize that there is, and it's not certainly not the motivation for why we should do it, uh, but there is great blessing in honoring God. And, and the example I'm thinking about is the, is the fellow who owns Chick-fil-A. He made a decision that said, you know, God has said in the Bible that Sunday is the Sabbath, and therefore every Sunday we will be closed and when he made that decision when he started his business there were a number of people who came to him and said if you're not open on sundays your business is going to go down the tubes well guess what god has honored that god has blessed him through you know through that decision in his business and his business is doing better than ever because he continues to honor god you know and and like i said you know, the the motivation it can't be a gift to get i'm going to honor god You know, because I expect that God is going to bless me. So, okay, God, I did my part. Now, what are you going to do? What it is doing is saying, God, I'm going to honor you because that's the right thing to do. That's what you've asked me to do. And I'm going to leave the results up to you. And if we as business people would do that, it would be so, so much better.
2: Absolutely. No, there is no one that you would rather have as a CEO of your company than the Lord Jesus Christ, because he will always steer you the right way. Amen.
1: Amen. Absolutely true. Well, we're down to uh, just a few minutes left in the show. Casey, take a few minutes and just uh, talk to everybody about uh, how they can get a hold of your book, uh, how they can connect with you if they'd like to to learn more about you and what you're doing, maybe engage you as a speaker or something like that.
2: Absolutely. Well, everyone can go to themoralcode.net. That's T-H-E-M-O-R-A-L, code, C-O-D-E, dot, n-e-t dot net and that's where you'll learn a little bit more about me you'll learn about the book you'll learn about the message of the book and that's where you can also click a link that says buy now where you can go on to Amazon and purchase the book directly the book is currently in two formats um, a physical hard copy or you can get an ebook. okay and you can contact me through our website as well at info at dot net info at net so you can pretty much learn all about me in the book by visiting our website
1: excellent excellent well casey it has been a joy i am so glad that we were able to get together and do this thank you so much for coming down today thank
2: you so much for having me gary and thank you for allowing me to share the message of the moral code on your show
1: oh excellent and uh, tell joel that i'm really looking forward to spending some time with him as well i sure will well, that brings us to uh, close to the end of another uh, program here, uh, and as uh, Casey said, uh, please uh, you know connect with her. If you go to themoralcode.net, you can pick up a copy of her book. Uh, it is a book that will stay with you. Uh, I took a quick cruise through the book earlier this week uh, to be able to uh, to know enough about it that we could talk. But I was telling Casey before the show that you now now I've got to dive in, and you know because uh, there are some chapters in there that I could spend probably a week uh, just going through. And so it'll not only be a book that I think will bless your life, but in addition to that, uh, it'll be a book that will continue to draw you in and will be, become a resource for you. Uh, so please uh, go ahead and, and get a copy and connect with uh, you know with Casey in, in doing that. Uh, Really, really great to have you folks with us today. Thanks so much for uh, for being part of the show. Uh, next week, I will not be here, unfortunately. I've got some other things that I need to do, so we're going to be doing a rebroadcast of the show, but we've got some other great guests coming up. Uh, Myra Goldick is going to be joining us. Uh, Myra, as you know, uh, has uh, has faced some issues with disability and uh, struggled uh, with, uh, with polio in her life, and she's become a great overcomer. She's going to be joining us to talk about about tools to help you get unstuck. And earlier in the show, I mentioned my connection with Jackie Smith. Uh, Jackie's going to be with us, uh, and she's going to be talking about selling uh, from a Christian perspective. And then we have Colleen Ferrari, uh, who is the, uh, the president... And CEO of Small Business USA, uh, along with Allison Demers uh, from Light uh, 105.100.5 FM. They're going to be here and we're going to be talking about religion and business, how the two of them mix. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you listening to the show and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next Saturday at 11 o'clock. Please uh, put it on your calendar and come and join us. Until then, God bless you. Have a great weekend. Live your life on purpose.
0: Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, Optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.